This is WSFI Spotlight, a conversation with Catholics living in the light. Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of WSFI Spotlight. I'm your host Bill Snyder for this episode and joining me today are two individuals. First is Joe Clark. He is here with us today to discuss a ministry that has been formed at St. Patrick's Parish in Wadsworth, Illinois. Joe and his wife Peggy have been parishioners since 1991. Two of their children graduated from St. Patrick's Parish School and Joe and Peggy have been actively participating in parishes in six states in which they have lived. At St. Pat's, Peggy, better known as Mrs. Clark, taught and volunteered at the school since joining the parish. Since leaving the corporate world, Joe helps with organizations who provide funds for those in the St. Patrick's Church community who are experiencing emergency financial hardships and with organizations who provide financial assistance and counseling to active duty military personnel, to retirees and to their dependents. He has taught personal finance management to more than 5,000 U.S. Navy personnel as well as to people in Northern Lake County community who are struggling to make ends meet. Joe is here to talk with us today about the Faithful Citizenship Ministry at St. Patrick's and he is also joined by Father Martin Zielinski. Father Zielinski is the Associate Professor of Church History at Mundelein Seminary and also the Vice President for the Institute for Ongoing Formation. He is an author and a very engaging speaker. On weekends and special occasions, Father Zelensky has been saying Mass at St. Patrick's Church since 1988. So thank you so much to both of you for being here on this episode of WSFI Spotlight. It's a pleasure to talk to both of you. It's great to be on the program. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Well, let's just begin by asking this, Joe. Tell me a little bit about the Faithful Citizenship's ministry at St. Patrick's. How did it come about? How do you define faithful citizenship? Well, first of all, let me start with the definition. Faithful citizenship is what is our political responsibility as faithful Catholics and as citizens? Now, I will amplify on this definition throughout. One might call the Faithful Citizenship Ministry at St. Patrick's a grassroots group. <clears throat> it's that kind of an effort. It's not about working up or down an organization, but about networking. Networking crossways, involving other parishioners, other parishes, and their organizations. It involves getting the word out. The word meaning our political responsibility as faithful Catholic citizens. I think this ministry at St. Pants really got started back in the year 2012, <clears throat> as some of us began to look forward to the election later that year. There was a lot of concern about things that had happened during the president's first term. Some of the concern came from new federal legislation about health care and health insurance, and what it was requiring people to do, and surprisingly, the associated attacks on religious liberty. Other concerns were around issues that were not new, the right to life and the respect for life, marriage between one man and one woman, and so forth. So a few parishioners undertook an effort to begin to prepare the parish for the 2012 election using available information, bulletin inserts, and so forth, much of which came from the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. But a lot has changed since 2012. For example, the redefinition of marriage, deadly attacks on Christians and religious minorities around the globe, encroachment 
on religious liberty. Continued economic struggles of the middle class, millions of people wanting jobs but being unemployed or underemployed, and the seemingly hopeless financial conditions of the poor. A broken immigration system and a worldwide refugee crisis, much of which, the latter, is to avoid religious persecution. So in the last year, last fall of last year, pretty much those same individuals from 2012 formed a ministry led by one of our deacons. As we looked forward to 2016, we all agreed to build on what had been done several years ago and to formalize it and to make it more of an ongoing, continuous effort. So the five of us got together and began to put our plan on paper and began to implement it. We met a number of times, we hashed over a bunch of ideas, we had good, healthy, but vigorous discussion of why we were there, what we wanted to do, what we could do, and so forth. We wanted to focus on education of the Catholic community. Most people know the issues we face, but many may be unaware of what the church's teaching is on them. We ended up putting our thoughts on paper, which should guide us as we move forward. We call that our mission. It reads, The Faithful Citizenship Ministry at St. Patrick Church is dedicated to helping our community give glory to God and grow in holiness by a greater understanding of our Catholic faith, values, and moral principles and how they should be applied in forming our consciences regarding important cultural and political issues that affect our families, the church, and our country. You're talking about the 2016 preparing for it, looking for it, and obviously being an election year. Why is it so important that this ministry is starting at this time and it's needed at this time? Well, I think we touched on some of the rationale in the background that I just discussed. Why is it so needed now? Well, let me summarize it in something that we produce called our current situation. We see this as our current situation. Judeo-Christian principles on which the United States of America was founded are under deadly assault. The Catholic Church and all Christian-based faiths are in the crosshairs of those who seem focused on degrading and destroying those fundamental values. For decades, action have been taken by powerful forces seeking to abolish our basic freedoms and rights. The attacks are from within our country and from the outside. Evil is pervasive. So that's how we see it today. So what do we do? Do we sit on our hands? Mm, probably not. How about prayer? Oh, absolutely, sure. Prayer, yes, that's a wonderful idea. Let's never overlook the impact that prayer can have in our lives and in the lives of others. Our ministry decided we also needed to take action. So we found this call to action from Pope Francis in a letter to the Knights of Columbus. This is from Pope Francis as well as from the U.S. bishops. The call to action. In a recent letter to the Supreme Convention of the Knights of Columbus, Pope Francis wrote that, endowed by their creator with life and liberty, American Catholics have a duty to contribute to the reasoned defense of these freedoms. He urged the American faithful to meet the moral, social, 
political challenge of the present hour with great wisdom and perseverance. Pope Francis said, there is a need for a mobilization on the part of all those citizens who are concerned for the overall welfare society. And noting that our nation faces political challenges that demand urgent moral choices, the U.S. bishops have called Catholics to correctly form their consciences in the light of the truth of the Catholic faith and to bring Catholic moral principles to the debate and decisions about the issues and challenges we face. So the Pope and our bishops are calling us to correctly form our consciences. How do we do this? How is that accomplished? Well, let me again refer to the USCCB website, Forming Consciences for Faithful Citizenship, in which the bishops quote from Pope Francis again, who says, we need to participate for the common good. Sometimes we hear a good Catholic is not interested in politics. That is not true. Good Catholics immerse themselves in politics by offering the best of themselves so that the leader can govern. And quoting further from the bishops, the Catholic bishops of the United States are pleased to offer once again to Catholic faithful Forming Consciences for Faithful Citizenship, our teaching document for the political responsibility of Catholics. The statement represents our guidance for Catholics in the exercise of their rights and duties as participants in our democracy. We urge our pastors, lay and religious faithful, and all people of goodwill to use this statement to help form the consciences, to teach those entrusted to their care, to contribute to civil and respectful public dialogue, and to shape political choices in the coming election in light of Catholic teaching. The statement lifts up our dual heritage as both faithful Catholics and as citizens with rights and duties as participants in the civil order. How do I form my conscience? The bishops note in that same article we need to form our consciousness in the following manner. How do we do this? When examining any issue or situation, we must begin by being open to the truth and to what is right. We must study sacred scripture and the teaching of the church. We must examine the facts and background information about various choices. We must prayerfully reflect to discern the will of God. And the U.S. Catechism for Adults adds, the prudent advice and good example of others support and enlighten our conscience. The authoritative teaching of the church is an essential element. The gifts of the Holy Spirit help us develop our conscience. And regular examination of conscience is as important as well. So they've really put a nice outline together on their website for this. The, the, the bishops have really helped do this, but your ministry is helping transition that into the community. And how do you help the community answer this call to action? And how is the scope and focus of this group leading people to become more faithful citizens right here in, in uh, Wadsworth community, in our local community? Well, Bill, you're right. You're right. Well, here is our scope. Our scope is on assisting with education and formation of our Catholic community based on the foundations of Catholic social teaching and on the church's moral teachings as they relate to local and national, cultural and political issues 
particularly those emphasized by the USCCB and the CCI, the Catholic Conference of Illinois. Wonderful. So what do you see as the primary activities of this team, and what do you use, where do you go for the resources? I mean, you just mentioned the, those two places for, for the resources, but what are the primary ac- activities of this team? Well, sure. The primary activities are really to help spread and reinforce the church's moral teachings, and secondly, analyzing and measuring the issues and policies and positions of parties and candidates against the values of the gospel and church teachings teaching and disseminating that information through proper means and, of course, encouraging action when appropriate. Including here, it would be networking with other St. Pat's people, with other parishioners, with other parishes, with other parish organizations, cross-group organizations, such as the Knights of Columbus, the Catholic Schools of Lake County, and so forth. So for resources and resource material, primarily it's, it's the scripture, It's the Catechism, it's the USCCBs and their websites, Catholic Social Teachings, the Vatican, the Archdiocese, and certainly Catholic Media, EWTN, Catholic Radio, Catholic Answer, and so forth. Speakers, we want to to encourage speakers and to invite speakers who have knowledgeable information to share that with us. We see communicating what we do through homilies, through parish bulletins, articles and inserts, a newsletter, a website, through adult faith formation groups, youth groups, through our school, Knights of Columbus and so forth, men's and women's organizations, other parishes, and of course, Catholic media in the Lake County area as well as the Catholic Archdiocese of Chicago. So you've just begun this process, and uh, it's a very exciting process. I know you've been working on it a while, but and you're just starting to introduce it now to the parishioners at St. Patrick's. So what are some of the initial kickoff things that you've done to promote it? Well, sure. We have begun to post regular weekly bulletins, uh, articles. We're going to continue doing that. We've just established a website, stpatrickwadsworth.org actually St. St. stpatrickwadsworth.org. On that website, you'll see a section called News and Current Events. And if you scroll down the page, you'll see Introducing to the St. Patrick Church Community and Important New Ministry, the Faithful Citizenship Ministry. You'll find the mission of this ministry, which I said earlier. And then it says, click for more information. Well, when you do that, you will find a resources page. And if you click on the resources page, you'll see information about the faith forming, forming of faith, faithful citizenship document. You'll see a reference to, to a series of articles from the Chicago Studies Group, and Father Marty Zinlinski will talk more about that later. But those are, those are two important links I would advise anyone to uh, take a look at. We also plan to add more content to that resources page, so, uh, so keep coming back to it. We are networking with other organizations and other parishes because we believe that the issues that we're facing are, and are recognized by many, many other people in Lake County and certainly not in, not limited to Illinois for that matter as well. And so so we held a kickoff event at which Father Martin Zelensky spoke and that occurred in, the, in late January. And as a backdrop to uh, that event, let me also quote from the Forming Consciences for Faithful Citizenship, Part 1, the U.S. Bishop's Reflection on Catholic Teaching and Political Life. Now let me quote here. As a nation, we share many blessings and strengths, including a tradition of religious freedom and political participation. However, as a people, 
we face serious challenges that are both political and moral. This has always been so. Let me underline that. This has always been so. And as Catholics, we are called to participate in public life in a manner consistent with the mission of our Lord, a mission that he has called us to share. Our group was pleased to have Father Martin Zielinski speak to nearly 100 people on the subject of the church's tradition of political participation in this nation. Father Marty is a professor of church history, an author, and an engaging speaker. The topic of Father Marty's talk was Catholics as Citizens and Historical and Episcopal Perspective. Father Marty's talk focused on the Catholic Church's progress in faithful citizenship and the application of Catholic teaching to current key issues facing our country. We are most grateful that Father Zelensky is joining us here today as well. Yes, Father, thank you for being with us on this episode of WSFI Spotlight. We have just about two minutes before we need to take our first break in the program, so I just want to maybe ask you a little bit about the theme of faithful citizenship, and we can come back and talk about it as well. The theme certainly is an important one. I mean, the bishops recently issued their document, Forming Consciences for Faithful Citizenship. It's a revised a version of a document that was been out for a number of years. And I think I found it interesting that people have all sorts of ideas about what the bishops might say about yeah. faithful citizenship. Sure. But basically, they're, they're not telling people how to vote. They're not saying <laughs> we're forming a Catholic party or anything like that. But we want to give people good, clear guidance on forming their consciences so they can make responsible political choices based on the truth. I think it's a document that is very readable for people, lays out very clearly the rationale, why the bishops are going to speak, and many of the important issues that voters need to consider as they're forming their thoughts about who they might vote for. And one of the items that was in this new revised version is some commentary on the newest encyclical by Pope Francis, Laudato Si, and some of those issues as well. That So there are some important pieces of that that are updated. Absolutely. I thought that was one of the more interesting things to see is the additions of statements by Pope Francis, not only from Laudato Si, but the ones from Laudato Si stood out as concerned about the kind of global ecological awareness that voters should give some consideration to. Well, I'm very excited that you're here, Father. I'm very excited that we're going to be able to talk to you about the history of, of religious freedom in this country and all the many different issues that go into being a faithful citizen. So we're going to take a short break here on WSFI Spotlight. We'll be right back to continue our conversation with Joe Clark and Father Martin Zielinski. Right back after this. My name is Bishop Paul. I'm with the Diocese of the Midwest of the Orthodox Church in America. In terms of Christian Catholic radio, wise and important, I think it's important for radio to get out the Christian message about a view of life, a vision of life that is rooted in our very being as people who are Americans. So it's good to have the radio around to be able to speak to those issues, life issues that are important. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online 
at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. WSFI is on social media. Follow us on Twitter at WSFIFM and like us on Facebook by searching for WSFI Catholic Radio. Hi, this is Brian Farley, host of Men of Christ Radio. For 10 years, through conferences, retreats, workshops, and special events, Men of Christ has been helping men to live their Catholic faith more boldly by exposing them to Catholic teaching, practices, and speakers that open eyes and change hearts. Well, now, we'll be doing it on the radio, too. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, to be specific. Tune in every first Saturday at 10 a.m. and again every first Monday at 10 p.m. right here on WSFI for Men of Christ Radio. Spiritual warfare, the power of prayer, defending the church, and more. We'll be talking about all of it on Men of Christ Radio. For more information, go to WSFICatholicRadio.org. Men of Christ Radio, inspiring conversations about your faith, your family, your nation, your world, and what you, as a man of Christ, can do about it. Are you retired or near retirement? Do you want to keep a larger amount of your assets in a safe place with guaranteed interest rates to protect yourself from a huge market swing? Are you amazed at how low the interest rates are at your bank? If you said yes to any or all of those questions, you may want to call me, Matt Tomlinson, at Catholic Financial Life to discuss our guaranteed fixed rate annuities. Call 847-548-MATT, 847-548-6288. Products not available in all states. Did you know that you can listen to WSFI local programming on demand? Full episodes of Pro-Life Today, WSFI Spotlight, Healing the Whole Person, Bursting Forth in Sound, along with our novenas, prayers, and devotions are available on your mobile device or online. For iPhone and iPad users, open the already installed podcast app and search for WSFI. Then click subscribe. Android users need to visit the Google Play Store Download the Stitcher app, create a free account, then search for WSFI. Add us to your favorites playlist by clicking the plus sign in the upper right-hand corner of the screen. The full archive of local shows is also available at WSFIRadio.org. Need help? Call us at 224-206-8455. That's 224-206-8455. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this episode of WSFI Spotlight. On today's episode, we are talking with Joe Clark and also Father Martin Zelinsky. They have been involved in this faithful citizenship ministry at St. Patrick's Church. And Father Zelinsky is the Associate Professor of Church History at Mondelein Seminary and also the Vice President of the Institute for Ongoing Formation. So uh, it's a pleasure to have both of you here joining me. And Father, just before the break, we were talking about the theme of faithful citizenship 
but I want to move into some of the examples of the tensions between American bishops and the U.S. government in regard to Catholics as citizens. There's quite a few of these examples, so I'm excited to hear your perspective on this. Well, thanks. Some people think it's a new topic that the bishops would talk about being faithful citizens. But really, when you look at the history of our country, you can go back to right after the Declaration of Independence. The Catholics were part of supporting the Revolutionary War, shedding their blood, enduring hardships. And really, Catholics at that time were less than 1% of the total population. I mean, they were a minority in the colonies. They were kind of concentrated in Maryland and Virginia. But with the successful conclusion of the war and the independence of the United States now guaranteed, Catholics addressed in 1789 the recently elected President George Washington. And there were a group of prominent Catholics who signed this letter, Bishop John Carroll, our first bishop being one of them, Charles Carroll, who signed the Declaration of Independence, Daniel Carroll, who signed the Constitution, Thomas Fitzsimmons, who also signed the Constitution, was a member of the House of Representatives, and then Dominic Lynch, who was a prominent New Yorker. And they naturally expressed their congratulations to the president on his election, their confidence in him. But more specifically, they wrote to him, quote, because whilst our country preserves her freedom and independence, we shall have a well-founded title to claim from her justice, equal rights of citizenship, as the price of our blood spilt under your eyes, of our common exertions for her defense under your auspicious conduct, rights rendered more dear to us by the remembrance of former hardships. When we pray for the preservation of them, where they have been granted, and expect the full extension of them from the justice of those states which still restrict them. Basically, what these prominent Catholic citizens were saying is our relationship as Catholics to the government is founded because we shed blood so this nation could be independent, because we endured hardships over the long years of the war. And the tone of the the letter itself is very optimistic, it's hopeful, and it doesn't get into a very complicated view of citizenship. That comes about a little later, a couple years later, when John Carroll is writing his first pastoral letter to the American Catholic. So it's directed a bit in-house. It's not directed to all Americans. It's directed in-house. And in one particular section of the letter, he's talking about the importance of Christian education. I mean, basically, there are no Catholic schools at that time. He's mm-hmm. trying to get Georgetown University established, trying to get his seminaries. But he says that Christian education is very important, not just for the growth and development of children, but he relates this to also in helping form citizens. And he writes, in doing this, Christian education, you not only render an acceptable service to God and acquit yourselves of the most important duty, but you labor for the preservation and the increase of true religion for the benefit of our common country whose welfare depends on the morals of its citizens for your own happiness here as well as hereafter. So 
what he's trying to emphasize is that Christian education develops virtue and piety that will ultimately be a benefit for the nation, that the good moral life of the individual Catholic citizen will contribute to the over, overall welfare of the nation. So it's just, it's not a highly developed, well-refined, but it, it's an emerging sense of how do Catholics relate and contribute to the welfare of the nation. I think one of the more dramatic examples occurs in 1826. We have a Catholic bishop addressing Congress. I'm sure there were many in the Congress who were mumbling about the fact that there was a Catholic bishop. It was Bishop John England, who was the Irish-born bishop of Charleston, South Carolina. And he addressed Congress on January 8th, 1826, and he said something very simple, and I think uh, the statement reflects sort of the mentality that the American bishops had throughout the better part of the 19th century in relationship to this idea of Catholics as citizens. Uh, Bishop England said, quote, We repeat our maxim, let Catholics in religion stand isolated as a body and upon as good ground as their brethren. Let Catholics as citizens and politicians not be distinguishable from their other brethren of the Commonwealth. So, in other words, when it comes to our religion, we know we have rights, freedom of religion, but as citizens, we are not looking for any special treatment, special privileges. We want to be a part of the larger political life of the country. That really expresses very well what the American bishops often said. Although changes would take place. And really, only a few years after Bishop England addressed Congress, the Catholic community was changing. The nation was changing. We're beginning to experience uh, more and more immigration. We're beginning to see the growth of the Catholic Church and the number of dioceses and bishops, parishes, religious orders. And there's beginning to be a reaction, a backlash among Americans. And mm. uh, there, there's formation of these nativist groups who are kind of suspicious about what Catholics are doing here. It, even there were episodes of violence. For example, in 1834 in Charlestown, Massachusetts, the Ursuline Convent was burned down. A year later, uh, the president of uh, Lane Theological Seminary in Cincinnati, Lyman Beecher, wrote a book entitled A Plea for the West, in which he warned that Catholics are out to take over control of the Mississippi River Valley and maybe even ultimately bring the Pope and the new papal states there. Yeah, conspiracy <laughs> theories always work well and attract attention. <laughs> yeah. and, yeah. Then, and then there was a very popular anti-Catholic work in 1836 called The Awful Disclosures of Maria Monk. And it was about her life in a convent in Canada. The National Enquirer wouldn't have anything that would be <laughs> out, as outrageous as, as this book was. So, in other words, what I'm trying to say is, in the, in the early part of the 1830s, kind of a growing suspicion 
and animosity towards Catholics is taking place. And the American bishops, in their pastoral letter of 1837, want to address that. They, they talk about what they term this outrage in Charleston, the burning of the convent. They review what took place as a result, those who were arrested and charged, their trials. But the state of Massachusetts, the legislature of Massachusetts, also had a committee that produced majority and a minority report out of the uh, burning of the convent on whether Catholics should be compensated or not compensated for the loss of this property. And the minority report was very interesting. They were against granting any relief for Catholics, and they made their argument on the basis that, quote, Catholics acknowledging as they do the supremacy of a foreign potate or power could not claim under our government the protection as citizens of the Commonwealth, but were entitled only to our continents and aid so far as the right of national hospitality might serve to dictate. Well, this is a big change. Rather than Catholics being welcomed in and seen as useful citizens, they're merely tolerated Mm. under national hospitality. Well, the American bishops weren't going to let language from that report go without comment. And in their 1837 letter, they said, yeah, bishops say Catholics cheerfully give to our government the allegiance that is due, as they've always done. And secondly in this issue about Catholics not being entitled to protections as citizens. The bishop said, if a Catholic is born here, then they are citizens by birth and automatically have that protection. And if a Catholic emigrates to this country, well, the government is fully aware of Catholic spiritual and ecclesiastical relations to the head of the church, and they decided to admit them. So these immigrants also enjoy protection. I think what's significant in this letter is certainly there's a little bit of complicated element of the reports and, and all that, but this notion that Catholics should only be tolerated out of some national hospitality is ridiculous. And the American bishops actually demonstrate their understanding of the constitutional tradition of this country. And we're not going to allow any reinterpretation of it. The great irony from this 1837 pastoral letter is that the most of the bishops who signed it were foreign-born. Yeah. Maybe another example to kind of develop this notion of Catholics as citizens. And I'm going to maybe just briefly mention the bishop's pastoral letter from the 1866 Plenary Council. I won't get into the difference between provincial plenary councils, but just this plenary council. And once again, the bishops are dealing with the notion that's out there that being a Catholic is incompatible with supporting the Republican traditions of our country. Basically, Simply put, many nativist Protestant groups said you can't be a good Catholic and you can't be a good, and a good American. You can't mm. do both at once. You can either be a good Catholic and you're not going to be a good American, or you can be a good American and a good Catholic. And the bishops in their 1866 pastoral letter said, no, that's not true. Catholics can be good citizens and faithful Catholics. And when it comes to the whole notion of the organization of government and of society and of temporal authority, the bishops write in their letter, 
that the children of the church, obedience to a civil power is not some submission to a force which they can't resist, or is it merely compliance with a condition for peace and security, but a religious duty founded on obedience to God, by whose authority the civil magistrate exercises his power. So, why? What's what's the kind of meaning and, and, and importance of this line? Well, it's saying that, in a sense, for Catholics to be good citizens is a religious duty that they have in obedience to God. It's not separating, here is the line of responsibilities you have to be a good citizen, and here is the line of responsibilities you have to be a good Catholic. The bishops are saying they Mm -hmm. integrate and blend together. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a religious duty. Certainly as the Catholic community continued to grow, and and it, oh my gosh, it grew dramatically. 1789, we're 1% of the population. By the start of the 20th century, we're nearly 20% of the population. And the Catholics are the largest single religious denomination in the country. And the bishops in the 20th century deal with a number of important issues. They have a very important letter in 1919 on social reconstruction and how a society to look as it is coming back out of the war economy in World War One and stuff. But I think one of the more fascinating letters of that time period is a letter they write in 1926 on the Church of Mexico. And in fact, the letter is issued on the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. So Mexico in the 20th century had seen a lot of political turmoil. It had seen revolutions, different governments and the revolutionary leaders claiming control. We had begun to see an increase in Mexican immigration into Texas and Arizona and California and New Mexico, even up here in Chicago a bit. And the bishops in 1926 were addressing a more recent outbreak of some of the violence that had taken place in that country, the Cristero Revolt. And that's because in the 1917 Constitution of Mexico, there was a law that was trying to suppress the practice of religion. And the American bishops wanted to speak about some of what was taking place in this neighboring country. And they, they didn't so much talk about Catholics as citizens, but they were demonstrating, I think, in this letter their right as citizens to speak upon an important issue. And I'm just going to, in the concluding paragraph of the letter, the bishops write, If then because of the fact that the persecution in Mexico is directed against all the principles of a religion, we, the bishops, should speak as the servants of God. So it's part of their Episcopal duty. If because it is unloosed particularly against the religion of the majority of the people of Mexico, we should speak as Catholics. There are grave reasons, too, why we have a duty to speak as Americans attached to the institutions of our country and loving them for the benefits they have conferred upon us all. What I find so interesting in this letter is that the bishops are kind of making a triple argument about their right to speak. They have a right as bishops. They have a right as Catholics. And they have a right as Americans to speak 
about what's taking place in Mexico. In all of their previous letters, the pastoral letters of the 19th century, the letters from the Plenary Council, they never quite bring all three of those together. They'll say we have a right as Americans or we have a right as bishops, but saying it's because we're American Catholic bishops that we're speaking about conditions in Mexico. I think is a, a significant development in their understanding of themselves as an Episcopal body participating in the public life of the nation. Father, I think this is so interesting. For our listeners, you're listening to the the voice of Father Martin Zelensky, and he's talking about faithful citizenship, as you can, can well imagine, and just seeing the development of what it means to be an American Catholic, an American Catholic bishop, with some of the biggest, hottest issues of our history within within that. Mm-hmm. And, and Father, one of the things that sticks out to me just as listening to you is that this is an ongoing issue, and it has been going since the birth of our nation. I mean, you were quoting from uh, 1779 to begin this discourse, and then also right up to almost the present day. Uh, you said off the air that you did research of almost 200 years uh, from uh, 1776 yeah. to 1976. And so there's even some more recent things. We have a just a minute for the break here. Actually, we, we can take our break a minute early maybe and then come back and talk with you more about some of the more recent developments in this, in, in this topic. So let's take a short break here on WSFI Spotlight. I'll be right back with more from Joe Clark and Father Martin Zelensky. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Doug Berry from Life on the Rock. The importance of Catholic radio cannot be underestimated. This is a medium that can reach into the hearts and the minds and the vehicles of individuals at any given time or day. This is one of those ways that we can reach hearts and souls that are hurting and that need to know the grace, the strength, the healing power of Christ. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. Hello, I'm Joe Scheidler, host of Pro-Life Today on WSFI Catholic Radio 88.5 FM. It's a half-hour conversation with leaders in the pro-life movement committed to protecting the most vulnerable among us. That's every Monday at 3.30 p.m. Or listen anytime by subscribing to our podcast. Visit wsfiradio.org for more information. That's Pro-Life Today, every Monday at 3.30 p.m. only on WSFI Catholic Radio. Did you know that you can listen to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio from anywhere in the world? Our live internet stream is available at wsfiradio.org. Just click on Listen Live. We also stream on the TuneIn mobile app for your smartphone or tablet. For iPhone and iPad users, visit the App Store, download the TuneIn app, sign up for a free account, and then search for WSFI. Click Follow to add us to your profile. For Android users, visit the Google Play Store, download the TuneIn app, 
sign up for a free account, and then search for WSFI. Click follow to add us to your profile. Need help? Call us at 224-206-8455. That's 224-206-8455. Are you enjoying this WSFI local program and want to share it with others? Visit WSFICatholicRadio.org and click on Listen, Then Programming. That's WSFI Catholic Radio, Listen, Then Programming. Welcome back once again to this special hour-long episode of WSFI Spotlight. We're talking with Joe Clark, a parishioner at St. Patrick's Parish in Wadsworth, Illinois, and a member of the Faithful Citizenship Ministry, and also Father Martin Zelensky. And right before the break, we were talking, uh, Father Martin was beautifully about the history and development of the tensions between the American bishops and the United States government in regard to Catholics as citizens and of the long history of it. But there, there were some more recent developments, Father, in the 1970s and 80s that you wanted to touch on as well. So you want to talk a little bit about that? I know people hear things in the 1970s and they think that's ancient history. (laughs) (laughs) That's part of my lifetime. It seems like current events sometimes. But uh, I guess one of the examples I'm going to take from them is the issue of the Vietnam War. Certainly we know how divisive that war was in our nation's history, how many protests took place on college campuses against the war, against ROTC programs, the uh, marches that took place in so many of our cities, and really a war that caused divisions even within families. As far as the American bishops are concerned on the Vietnam War, their statement in 1966 basically said, we can't resolve authoritatively all the different questions that are related to the war in Vietnam. But they felt that it was reasonable to argue that the presence of the U.S. in Vietnam is justified. So at that time, and certainly 66, we were beginning to see an increase in the number of American troops in Vietnam. But the bishop said that we're, if we realize that developments, conditions change, we may have to make some adjustment to what we're saying about American policy in Vietnam. Well, a couple years later, in 1968, in their pastoral letter, Human Life in Our Day, the issue of Vietnam was one of the topics, and the bishops wrote, in assessing our country's involvement in Vietnam, we must ask, have we already reached or passed the point where the principle of proportionality becomes decisive? How much more of our resources and men and money should we commit to this struggle, assuming an acceptable cause or intention? Has the conflict in Vietnam provoked inhuman dimensions of suffering? Would not an untimely withdrawal be equally disastrous? So we see a little bit of a shift, saying in 66, from the facts we had at that time, U.S. president is is justified. But by 1968, and the way the war had developed, the bishops are saying, we got to re-examine this. And finally, in 1971, they make the declaration, quote, at this point in history, 
It seems clear to us that whatever good we hope to achieve through continued involvement in this war is outweighed by the destruction of human life and moral values which it inflicts. It is our firm conviction, therefore, that the speedy ending of this war is a moral imperative of the highest priority. Hence, we feel a moral obligation to appeal urgently to our nation's leaders and indeed to the leaders of all the nations involved in this tragic conflict to bring the war to an end without further delay. In five short years, the American bishops had gone from giving a general support to the war to calling for an end of the conflict without delay. Now, what's significant in this is at no other time in the history of our country where the U.S. military was involved in some action had the bishops ever really questioned the justification of American military presence. I think this war in Vietnam brought about a much deeper reflection by the American bishops on what it means to be a citizen. I think they felt comfortable and being able to criticize the policy of the United States. And in many ways, it set a stage of the bishops offering critique to government policy. And I think the two dramatic examples that come in the 1980s is the letter on nuclear war and armaments and then the letter on the economy, both very long documents, ones that took a number of years to develop, extensive hearings held with wide range of groups of people around those issues. So when you think about this time period from the late 18th century into the latter part of the 20th century and the American bishops are speaking about Catholics as citizens, I think what you see is a very developed and nuanced and sophisticated understanding of what it means to be a citizen. I think Carroll's was pretty straightforward, or I should say John England, Catholics as citizens not to be distinguished from the rest of our citizens to a more carefully examined analysis and sometimes critique of American government policy. Yet throughout these 200 years, I think underlying the bishop's statements, there is a sense of loyalty, patriotism, justice, and charity. Wonderful, wonderful that I am also just so encouraged to know this. I mean, this is something that is new for myself and learning, and I think that understanding this gives me encouragement that that our bishops are kind of behind us on this. They have a sense of, all right, I'm going to participate in American society. I'm going to comment on the current social and governmental things that are going on, and I'm and I'm glad to see that 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 we need to support our bishops in making these statements. Are, are there guidelines that they use for creating their statements or their principles that they that they kind of go by? Obviously, there's there's the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and there's, there's so many different resources out there. But do they have certain principles that they that they use, especially with the with the shift in the Vietnam that you highlighted just now? How they shifted their statement? What what over, over those five years? So what is the are there any principles? In their most recent document, Forming Consciences for Faithful Citizenship, the introductory part of the document, they talk about how what they're going to say is grounded in 
the conciliar document Dignitatis Humanae from Second Vatican Council, and four basic principles of Catholic social teaching. The dignity of the human person, common good, solidarity, and subsidiarity. So uh, there is, uh, it, it, I think it's clear indications that they're not going off down a path right. nobody has tread upon before. <laughs> right. They're clearly showing how it is connected with the richness of our Catholic social teaching tradition. That's beautiful, Father. And I want to just maybe ask Joe, you have a few quotes from Pope Francis even on this. So our Holy Father has has even commented. Yes, uh, some of the quotes that I read earlier certainly relate to the issues that Father Zelensky has talked about. And for me personally, it's encouraging to hear and to learn that the bishops are taking a stand like this and have taken a stand. When we were first putting our group together back in September, we kind of had roundtable discussions among ourselves and saying, okay, what's happening out there? What do we see that's happening that we're not comfortable with or, or that just seems to be wrong, headed in the wrong direction? I mean, we saw so much, we see so much evil around us with lack of respect for human life, with some of the atrocities of abortion, with sales, selling unborn body parts. I mean, some of the things it's almost unbelievable to say out loud are actually happening. and and the corruption at, at, at so many levels of major institutions. And so for us, it was a little bit eye-opening to, to realize that the Catholic bishops have taken a stand on many, many issues throughout the course of history in the U.S. This is not something new. And actually, it was kind of encouraging to us. <laughs> sort of like, okay, hey, there's a bedrock of foundation that we can, that we can build on and we can use as a starting point for for communicating what our ministry is about and what we want to try to accomplish with this. And and it was personally rewarding to hear that. Father, one of the things you mentioned near the end, a couple new words maybe to our audience, is, is the concept of solidarity, uh, subsidiarity. I know the bishops talk a little bit about that. Can you just kind of briefly just give us a sense of what, what those words mean? I mean, I think of solidarity, I think of, yeah. okay, that, that's Poland back in the, the days of John yeah. Paul II. Yeah. You know? yeah. Solidarity, as the bishops refer to it, connects to really the preferential option for the poor, that we need to be very conscious of what how the decisions we're making are going to impact the poor, those who are the least marginalized in society. Uh, and that understanding that lens of solidarity does mean that policies would be different or looking at the impact of those policies in a, out on a much larger audience and group of people. And then subsidiarity is the idea that larger institutions of society should not overwhelm or interfere with local ones. I mean, all right, the worst example would be totalitarian governments. The state does everything. The, the individual and, and local groups just have no relevance, no issues. But <laughs> we always kind of struggle with that, I think, in, in our American society. I mean, in some ways, <laughs> federal government and the state's rights. Well, that local initiatives are very important because the people are connected 
to a community. They understand the problems of that community. They know the resources of that community. This has been a fascinating conversation, Father and and Joe, and just how amazing is this? I think it's so needed, especially in this election year, as we have that little heightened awareness to to our our role in participating in the political process. And I want to I want to ask you this question, Father, kind of wrap up just about voting. Is is participating in the election process a important thing for a Catholic to do? Absolutely. The bishops in their document would say both out of our baptismal identity we should do it and out of our duty as citizens to do it. We, in the sense, are saying we have a moral obligation to do that. And I know that low voter turnout has been an issue in both local and national elections over the last couple of decades. I, I think people need to get committed, be informed, so that when they cast their ballots in November, they know exactly why they're making the choices they're making. Father and Joe, thank you so much for all you are doing to promote faithful citizenship and help us form our consciences and form our our minds on this on this important and engaging topic and very timely topic. Joe, thank you again for putting together this faithful citizenship ministry and and, and inviting Father to come and share with our audience about this. It's it's been fascinating. Do you have any last words for us? Sure. Let me just give a little feedback from our audience to listen to Father Marty. They were very interested in the topic. They want to learn more about moral, theological, and philosophical matters on forming consciousness and the current state of political and national issues. There are several requests from more responses from the pulpit on these areas, which is a common theme. And maybe some of your listeners have some ideas for speakers who are knowledgeable and have a, a Catholic perspective on these topics. So if anybody is interested, they could email us uh, at this email address. It's acronym for Faithful Citizenship St. Pat's, so F-C-M-S-T-P-A-T-S at AOL.com. So Faithful Citizenship Ministry St. Pat's at AOL.com. And our website, we'll continue to post new things and resources on the website, and our website is stpatrickwadsworth.org. Excellent. Thank you so much. And Father, I just want to ask you if you could lead us in a closing prayer and blessing for our listeners and maybe wrap in this topic with us. Father, we thank you for this time that we have had to share with your listeners information on this important issue of faithful citizenship. May the resources that we have suggested be assistance to voters. May people be inspired to take a little bit more time during this coming election year to examine the issues, to understand their choices that they're going to make. May the Holy Spirit guide us with prudence and good judgment. We make this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 This has been an episode of WSFI Spotlight. Until next time, from all of us here at WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, I'm your host, Bill Snyder. Thank you so much for listening, and may God bless you. This has been WSFI Spotlight. For more information on this or any other program, email info at wsfiradio.org. Hi, this is Wes Riccio from the Holy Family Catholic Bookstore. If you have a child, grandchild, or godchild, 
being baptized, receiving their first Holy Communion, or being confirmed, remember that Holy Family has the area's largest selection of gifts, accessories, and supplies to make their special day more memorable. For baptism, we have cradle medals, baby Bibles, wall crosses, and nightlights. We have beautiful baptismal gowns and accessories, as well as invitations and cards. If you have a First Holy Communion in your family, we have a wide variety of mass books and gift sets, rosaries and medals. We have exquisite veils for the girls and ties for the boys, along with all of the necessary party supplies. Our suggestions for new confirmants include personal-sized Bibles, prayer books, and other spiritual readings that can follow them through their lifetime. And don't forget the godparents and sponsors. We have gifts and cards for them as well. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. Looking at term life insurance? Consider life insurance from Catholic Financial Life and see how we put Catholic values in action. To learn more, call Matt Tomlinson at 847-548-MATT. 847-548-6288. Did you know you can listen to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio online? Visit WSFICatholicRadio.org and click on Listen Live. That's WSFICatholicRadio.org and click on Listen Live. 